The day has finally come. Texas Tech just got their 12th scholarship player of the year and Kerlin Walton, an elite-level shooter transferring from UNC. I'll break down what his game provides as well as how he fits into this Texas Tech roster on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Texas Tech your daily show for the Texas Tech Red Raiders and their athletic program. I am Emery Lida, and first off, I just want to thank everyone for their patience over the last few weeks. I am sorry for the lack of content. As you may have seen on Twitter, I am now the sole host of the show. Fortunately, Ryan has decided to move on as he had a lot of commitments going on, and he he's decided to move on. And so I just want to take a quick moment to thank everything that he's done for the show. Obviously, Ryan and I started out No Middle Madness a year and a half ago. That was covering Texas Tech basketball. Last December, we had the amazing opportunity to join the Locked On Podcast Network, and so far it has worked out brilliantly. We were able to have a lot of fun over the last season or so being able to cover the program, and I just wish Ryan well because obviously I could not do this without him, and I've been we've been able to build – a strong following. So we really appreciate everything that you guys have done. And Ryan's still going to be around. Obviously, he's there. He's got a lot going on between the Dallas Morning News and everything else that he's got going on. So I wish him well. And I hope you guys do as well. He's done a lot for this podcast. I'm excited to see where his future takes him. But in the meantime, I am back. I am Emery Lida. I have covered Texas Tech in a variety of capacities for the last few years. And I'm excited to continue growing this channel because we can't do it without you. And it's been a lot of fun seeing how this podcast has continued to grow. And I cannot wait to continue to grow it. But that's enough about the organizational stuff. It's time to actually talk about Texas Tech athletics. And today was a really good day. We were able to get Kerwin Walton, the transfer out of UNC, which if you know me as someone that goes to UNC, I have been able to see a lot of Kerwin Walton over the years. So this is a special commitment for me. Obviously, Walton is someone that came into UNC as a four-star prospect out of the state of Minnesota in high, Hopkins High School, someone with a really good shot. And if you're looking at how Mark Adams and company has developed this roster, just look no further than bringing in a guy like Kerwin Walton, who is an elite-level shooter. So just to give a little bit of background on Kerwin Walton's game, he's someone that has a lot of natural talent, a lot of shooting ability. He shot almost 34, he shot 35.4% this past year after shooting 42% from three. As a freshman, he's someone with a lot of shooting ability, both on the dribble and off the and off the off the catch and shoot. And so that's something that when you're looking at how Walton fits into this team, he's someone that can play as a two and as a three, he can play as a guard and as a wing. Probably don't want him to be the primary ball handler for your team, but at the same time. It could be worse. He could be someone that isn't capable of being able to hit at all. And this past season, he struggled a little bit. But in 2020-2021, averaged 1.8 assists per game. Not someone that's particularly comfortable making live ball reads, but certainly someone that can do a little bit of driving. Not really his game, but still, it's something that's in his repertoire. So 
he can come into this team, be a high-level shooter. I think that's the main thing. Defensively, obviously there's been some question marks about how his defensive ability factors in. If you look at his tape on UNC, he can struggle some from an on-ball ability, certainly has some lateral issues, then obviously also can struggle a little bit with some off-ball lapses. So in general, he's kind of a negative defender, as much as it pains me to say. But that's why you transfer to Texas Tech, because there is nobody better at coaching up defense than Mark Adams. I mean, just look at what he was able to do with Kevin O'Banner, with a guy like Mac McClung even in 2021. I mean, those are guys that were – severe negatives more negative than crow and walton was and he was able to make them passable defenders then guys like bryson williams who weren't necessarily known for defense making them into positive defenders by the time they got out of texas tech and so for crow and walton to come in i think the defense is something that he is going to have to develop over the next year because you you can see really where he has struggled on that end over the last couple of years that's why he didn't get a ton of run at UNC based off of just how, A, they were stacked at the guard position with both R.J. Davis and Caleb Love playing a lot and Leaky Black at the wing being a late-level defender. And B, it's just kind of something where with this Texas Tech team, the way the roster fits, you have to be versatile. You have to be able to guard your man defensively and be able to switch. And Kerwin Walton certainly has the length and the size to be able to do that as someone that's about six five maybe six four i think the six five might be a little bit generous but has good length and certainly could in theory do that but he needs to improve the lateral quickness just a little bit i think there's some sort of basketball iq stuff that needs some development but certainly the defensive side of things if he can get that developed he's gonna have a big role because the shot it's as pure as they come texas tech last year shot under 30 percent during conference play they're around 32 percent over the course of the season that's bottom third nationally. They were last in the Big 12 in shooting over the course of the Big 12 conference season. That just simply can't happen. Kerwin Walton is a guy that, regardless of what else he brings to the table, which is a little bit sketchy, the shooting is always going to be there. He is, a at minimum, probably a 37% three-point shooter on volume, and that has to excite people. So when you look at this roster, now you already have Demarion Williams. Now you have Kerwin Walton. Those are two elite-level shooters and guys that can both handle the ball in a secondary role and also – create their own shot, shoot effectively from deep. So I'm excited to see how Walton can fit into the fray of things. And when you look at his game as a whole, I mean, looking at his UNC stats, his first year, he came out of the box and played a pivotal role for that team. Averaged 8.2 points in Roy Williams' final year. Last year, only averaged 3.4 points. But he's a guy that's been in the rotation. He's played high-level games, obviously. Did not have much of a role in this past tournament run for UNC. His last action was against St. Peter's and really wasn't in the rotation after the Pittsburgh game in mid-February, the famous 76-67 loss that at the time sent them to the bubble. So for Walton, you look at this, and I can understand why people are skeptical, but just looking at his overall shooting ability, it's probably the best on the team. Crowan Walton is one of the most talented natural shooters in the nation. We saw it his freshman year. We saw it on the recruiting trail where he was really well known on the AAU circuits for his ability to shoot. And hopefully we can see it again in Texas Tech. So coming up next, I'm going to discuss some of his highlight games for UNC and just what I think his ideal role for Texas Tech is going to be. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup between the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics, the NHL hockey finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. It's also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, 
future bets, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action on Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. The ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th with over 50 insiders and nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Lockdown NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. Kerwin Walton was a player that had his name in the NBA draft before withdrawing over this past offseason. Obviously, we'll have to see what sort of intel he got from scouts. But one thing's for certain, his games at UNC had the potential to have high level of ability. I mean, certainly... After his freshman year, he was on the NBA draft radar coming into this past year, and it just never really materialized. But looking at some of his highlight performances from his freshman year, a couple things really stood out to me. First off, his first kind of breakout game was a game against Kentucky in December of 2020, where he had 13 points, three or three shooting from three, four or four from the free throw line. That sort of earned him a bigger spot in the rotation as they got into conference play. Against teams like Georgia Tech and Notre Dame, he started playing 20 minutes or more. He had a stretch in conference play to end out the season where he played at least 20-plus minutes in every single conference game for the team outside of the very first one against NC State, in addition to the NCAA tournament game against Wisconsin. So he's someone that had a huge role as freshman year. Again, highlight performance against Kentucky where he didn't miss. Another really big game against Louisville late in conference play in that one as well where they won 99-54. to and Walton's offensive ability over the course of that season was nothing short of spectacular. I mean, shooting 42% from deep, obviously that is a rate that is very hard to match on volume. He averaged almost five three-point attempts per game that season. Did a lot of off-ball work, did a lot of on-ball work as well. So certainly Walton's a guy that with his shooting ability is going to be a matchup nightmare. So that was his freshman year. And then you saw him play more as a wing in that year as Leaky Black kind of split more minutes with him. Obviously, R.J. Davis did not come along until late in that season. So you kind of saw less, more of a role for Walton. And then this past season with Hubert Davis at the helm, you saw he started out the season well, obviously playing significant minutes in their first five non-conference games. Hit a bit of a cold shell, a cold spell with the shot, going two with 13 in a four-game stretch from the Purdue game to the Michigan game against teams like Purdue, Tennessee, UNC, Asheville, Michigan. And after that point, it seemed like he was just going to be out of the rotation for a while. I mean, he didn't cross the 15-minute threshold again until late in December against Appalachian State. Had a few games early on in conference play where he played quite a bit, but even then his shot just did not come back to him until the middle part of the conference play. And then you saw right around early February, he started picking things back up again. 14 minutes against Duke, he had a three, went one and two there. He had a four-game stretch in the middle of February all the way up until that aforementioned Pittsburgh game where he shot over 50% from three on three attempts a game, and then it just simply fell apart for him. He didn't get any rotation minutes after that last Pittsburgh game, presumably because of the defensive issues. That Pittsburgh game was the low light of UNC's season, and it was after that game where Hubert Davis kind of took the approach to just play five starters. It was the iron five. It was a complete contrast to what we've seen Texas Tech do over the past couple of years where they played nine or ten guys. UNC played mostly five guys down the stretch. I mean, you had Puff Johnson getting some minutes, but the Duke game was a game in which they played literally the last 20 minutes of the game with zero substitutions. We saw that again almost in the NCAA tournament against 
uh, UCLA down the stretch. We obviously saw in the final four, Puff Johnson was the only sub to get more than five minutes. And so UNC was a team that did not rely on their rely on their bench. And so when you look at everything, I think that Kerwin Walton falling out of the rotation in itself is not the end of the world because UNC was a really talented team last year. Obviously made the final four at guard and at wing. They had high level players. And with the way the bench was utilized, it kind of made sense that Walton would fall out of the rotation because he simply has the elite level shooting. But when you have two guards that are high level shooters as well, the manic at the four, Spacing isn't quite as important. Obviously, Texas Tech, that's going to be different because Davion Harmon, not really known for an elite-level shooter. Obviously, Jalen Tyson, Elijah Fisher, unknowns there. Fardell's AMAC is going to be good, but there's questions about how much volume he can shoot with, so that certainly factors into everything. So when I look at this, I think Walton's playtime is not something that concerns me. He had big games at UNC. It was clear that he wasn't a complete negative. Obviously, offensively, the shooting value is clearly there. So looking at it, I'm not too concerned. I think that if he can provide the shooting, which we all know he's capable of, and just make slight steps forward on defense, he's going to have a spot in the rotation. Exactly what spot that is, well, we don't know. We've seen him play at at a high level for 25 minutes a game. We've seen him be a starter. We've seen him sort of be a second or third option. We've also seen him come off the bench, kind of play 12 to 15 minutes a game in a spot role. I think he's capable of doing either one. Obviously, if you're getting him to come to Texas Tech and fill one of the last scholarship spots, and he's a transfer that you put a lot of emphasis on, you're expecting him to play a pretty important role. So that has to factor in. But certainly, Walton's shooting ability, the shot is as pure as they come. He's going to be as, he's going to be above 80% as a free third shooter going to be hopefully above 40% as a three-point shooter. Everything is out there for him. So offensively, I'm very bullish on his potential, and I think that's going to play a major part in his role. But it's all up in the air. If he can replicate what he did at UNC, where he had multiple stretches shooting 50% or more from the three-point line, that's going to go a long way in dictating, A, the success for Texas Tech as a team, and B, allowing Walton to be in the rotation and continuing to play at a high level. So looking at it as a whole, I think Walton's UNC games where he had stretches of shooting 50 or more percent from the field, where he had games where he went three or three or four or four from three, those give you optimism that he can be both a spot role player and someone that can outright flip the game for you as a shooter. So it's all there for Walton. The offense is really good. The defense obviously needs some work. That was what kept him from getting minutes late in the, in the season. But all that's fine, but we need to know exactly what he can do when it comes to being in the rotation, how he can fit in. So coming up next, I'm going to look at some some of the potential rotation moves that Tech can do to maximize Crow and Walton, as well as taking a look at how he fits in with the rest of the roster. But first, we have a message from some, some of our sponsors. Texas Tech obviously brings in Kerwin Walton, a player that at UNC fell out of the rotation last year at the end of the season. And that's going to create some skepticism when it comes to how much, how many minutes he can play. I think he could end up starting feasibly. I think it's certainly a possibility. He started out the season playing, I believe, as a sixth man for UNC coming into the year. And so he has experience playing heavy level minutes. He started last year some for UNC, so it's not like he's incapable of it. But when you look at this roster and you look at where Kerwin Walton could fit in, Davion Harmon is almost certainly going to be the starting one. There's no reason for Kerwin Walton to even think about 
replacing him there because he's not a ball handler. doesn't really play the same role as what Walton would do, or excuse me, what Harmon could do. You look at Farrell's AMAC and Kevin O'Banner, obviously, I mean, unless Walton magically grows six inches in the next two months, I don't think that it's going to be possible for him to be taking any of their minutes. So where Walton's going to fi fix in is going to be where you look at the two and the three. So Demarion Williams, Elijah Fisher, Jalen Tyson, Lamar Washington. All of those guys could feasibly be guys that Walton is competing with for minutes, either directly or indirectly, because if Walton is playing off the ball primarily as an offensive player and guarding mostly twos and threes, those are the guys that are going to be his competition. And looking at those guys in particular, you look at Demario Williams, and there's a lot of overlap between a guy like Kerwin Walton and someone like Demario Williams. I mean, I've mentioned it in the Williams review podcast which you can check out both on youtube and wherever you get your podcast just like this but i mentioned with williams comparison that he had a lot of kyler edwards in this game i'm not sure if i'm see the same way with Kerwin walton i think walton is several stratospheres worse defensively but offensively all three of those guys have a similar sort of game where they can knock shots off the dribble but they are elite level off ball shooters and for Kerwin walton i think he can fit in that two three wing role and Demarion Williams can do the same thing with them. Not very good at finishing at the rim, at least not from what we've seen early on in their college career. So there's similar, similar level of players. But I will say Williams has a little bit less length to him, maybe a little bit less natural athleticism as well. But Walton obviously hasn't had nearly the defensive impact of what a Williams had. Granted, playing at Gardner-Webb and playing at UNC are two completely different things. So it's really impossible pro to project who wins out in that battle without seeing both of them on the court and both of them kind of playing in the same system and program. So there's a lot up in the air when you're looking at that. So that's something that I'm really kind of going to be intrigued by because whoever wins out that role will likely be the fourth or the fifth starter, depending on how you kind of segment things. And if you think Jalen Tyson is guaranteed a spot, as I've seen some people on Twitter sort of maintain. So Demario Williams looks like the biggest direct compare, or the biggest direct competition between Walton and getting a significant starting role. But otherwise, Jalen Tyson and Elijah Fisher are two guys that are going to play into how many minutes Walton gets. Because if they justify playing almost the entire 40 minutes split between the two, then that doesn't leave many minutes for Walton to play the three. Because both of those guys are going to be hard to play in either a big ball or a small ball lineup. I mean, Tyson, I think, has the length to play more at the four. Obviously, Fisher has athleticism, but neither of them are really experienced playing in any sort of big capacity. So you're probably going to see some more small ball out of tech this year than last year where you play, played a two-man or two-big-man lineup for over 97% of your minutes. But certainly, I would be shocked if you saw a ton of those guys playing small. So if Tyson and Fisher combined to average 35 minutes a game, that means that Walton would only have less than 10 minutes more than likely of him being able to play at the three and the three is somewhere where he's been able to play at UNC. He did play some minutes alongside Caleb Love and RJ Davis. And the previously year, there were times where he was slid, slotted in at the three and Leaky Black played the four. So it's certainly possible that you'll see Corwin Walton play some of the three, but that's going to be what opens up minutes for him. Because if you can't do that, then he's basically competing against Demarion Williams, Lamar Washington and Pop Pop Isaacs at the two. And Washington can probably overlap a little bit. The one, Isaacs obviously can as well. But both of those guys, because of how many minutes Davion Harmon is probably going to play, are probably going to be slid over to the two sons. So if Fisher and Tyson are able to establish themselves early and Bolton struggles some in camp, 
then that's going to really limit his minutes to being like a UNC role of playing five or 10 minutes a game. So really, I mean, you look at what Kerwin Walton brings to the table and he has probably the highest variance when it comes to potential minutes in on this entire team. He could play anywhere from likely five minutes to 25 minutes. And I really wouldn't surprise me just because offensively he has the shooting ability. He has more, more of a reputation as an off ball elite level shooter than any other wing on Tech's roster. And outside of Kevin O'Banner, you can make the case that he's had the best individual season shooting of anyone on this entire team. So, I mean, one of the best shooters in the country alongside Kevin O'Banner, alongside Demario Williams, if everything comes together, that trio is going to be elite when it comes to shooting the ball and you add in everyone else. And there's no reason Tech can't be a 36 or 37% three point shooter over the course of the season. But if Walton doesn't play defense well, and if the other guys step up like a Fisher, or like a Tyson, that's going to limit his minutes some. And I am really intrigued to see how that plays out during camp. Obviously we'll see Crow and Walton come to campus pretty shortly, I believe. And obviously we'll see that play out over the course of September and October and see kind of who can continue to get the balance. But regardless, adding Crow and Walton allows you to add another elite level shooters. What Mark Adams has placed an emphasis on this off season and Walton shoots the ball better than just about anyone else you could have added. So it's a good addition. It adds another elite skill to the roster and everything else will play out. I'm certain that having a good amount of talent on the roster, having a surplus of guys at the two and the three, it's a good thing. You want to have more options. So that's that. I think Kerwin Walton has a really bright future. I've seen what he can do firsthand at UNC. And I'm confident that when you look towards next season, he's going to have the potential to play a massive role on this team as both an elite level shooter, secondary ball handler, and maybe even a competent plus defender but that's going to be next season for now though we're going to continue covering the offense or the texas tech basketball team as well as some recap on tech baseball and tech football on this podcast coming up in the next few days obviously i'm going to look at the murray state preview hopefully have a couple guests or crossover episodes lined up in the near future as well in the immediate future though we're going to be talking about baseball tomorrow But first, thank you for listening to this episode of Locked on Texas Tech. It's been very nice to be back. Obviously, it's a little bit different doing things solo without Ryan, but I'm looking forward to this. I think it it provides us the opportunity to continue to grow this channel. I could not be more excited to continue my journey with you guys. So thank you for listening to Locked on Texas Tech, wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully on YouTube as well. If you haven't left left us a review or subscribe, it would mean a lot to me if you did. We really appreciate all the support that you've given us. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Eraser41 to see what kind of takes I have, whether it be about food, whether it be about random sports stuff, or whether it be about F1 and racing. I've had it all over the last few days, and I'm excited to continue doing that. You can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter at Locked On TTU. I'm going to start using that more to announce future show ideas, to look at potential mailbag questions, and just get your input. If you have anything you'd like to see on the show, any sort of feedback or criticisms, anything like that, it is much appreciated. I would welcome any and all comments. And yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing to build this. And tomorrow, I'll talk baseball. I know it's not been something that we've really built this podcast on, but after Tech lost in the regionals to Notre Dame, seeing Notre Dame going on and beating Tennessee to advance the College World Series, I figured it was time to do a holistic recap. And so that's what tomorrow's podcast will be on. But in the meantime, thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. 
Now make your second listen to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast where Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Golden give fans, fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, everyone's favorite, Big Boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, I will see you tomorrow.